I cannot believe that this is officially our last episode of season two. I mean, for goodness sakes, it flew by. But if you haven't had a chance to check out all of the episodes, this is your period of time to catch up. There are so many incredible conversations that I've had the privilege of having during and throughout this entire season. I urge you to go back, re-listen, because you're you're going to learn something new, even if you've already listened to an episode. I know I always do. But for right now, I am jumping in with the incredible Stacey Churchill. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. entrepreneur and welcome to today's show. I am here with Stacey Tushel, who started her own business at age 18 in her parents' backyard and turned that company into a multi-million dollar business that she still runs today. She is a best-selling author, the founder of the Foot Traffic Formula, which aims to help small businesses around the world get more customers in the door, which who doesn't need that nowadays? She also has the Foot Traffic Podcast, which has over 1 million downloads, has you know, it's been frequented by guests like Susie Orman is in, is also in the top 30 of all marketing on iTunes, which I know firsthand is a pretty monumental feat. And as if those aren't enough kick-ass credentials, Stacy was also named 2019's Wisconsin Small Business Person of the Year by the U.S. Small Business Administration. Stacy, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having me, Michelle. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I mean, you have a great journey. I mean, that's a pretty, that's pretty impressive to start it in the backyard of your parents' house. So why don't you bring our listeners kind of through the past and up till today with your journey? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, my journey is a little, a uh, little different. I'm not like the lemonade stand story. This is like an actual business that we kept running. So yeah. I, right out of high school, started teaching dancers in my parents' backyard just for fun. I was in, nice. I was in the high school dance team and I thought, oh, I'll do this for fun with middle schoolers. So we had 17 kids the first year and like three years in, I had a hundred kids getting oh. dropped off to my parents' backyard. <laughs> and yeah, um, nice. I mean, like the neighbors were like, what's happening? Like, what's going on? Like, I, I mean, who has like a party every Sunday with a hundred yeah. Girls, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was definitely unexpected. I fortunately grew up in a small business. So my parents and grandparents had an excavating company, which is construction. Yeah. They dig basements for houses here in Wisconsin. So because of who my parents and grandparents were, they were like, we don't know anything about dance, but we think you might be able to charge and actually do this as a business. Yeah. So I then incorporated um, back in 2005, rented a, a place that we were we would be out of the backyard, actually in a facility, nice. and decided to do this. And I mean, 
in the beginning, I, I definitely had some hesitation of like, could I really make this a living? Like, right, how, this is right. just dance. And my, I wasn't even that, that good, I should say. Like, I started dancing when I was in high school. So that's really, yeah. really late for a dancer. That so yeah. there was all mindset. I mean, I just didn't believe anything that I could do any of this. Yeah. So thankfully, I had my family giving me that confidence to say like, no, 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 you already are doing it. Let's let's do right. this, Right. So I then decided to, to open up. And as soon as I, I started to switch gears, of, this isn't just a hobby, this is a business. Yeah. That's when everything changed because now I was looking at it from a different aspect. And what's funny is I might not have been like that naturally a good of a dancer. I'm a really good business person yeah. because I've been yeah. watching my family do it since the day I was born. And that is how I exploded that first business. So I still own it. I do not operate in the business at all. I haven't done it since probably like nine years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and then that's when I started teaching people, how did I build it? How did I scale it? How did I remove myself? And that's what I'm, I'm doing today in foot traffic. Yeah. Which is, you make a, you make a very good point because I, I come from theater and music, by the way. So yeah, oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. The There's so thing. many of us that have like a background yeah. in performing. There and it really are. Because yeah. we're still performing just a different exactly. way. Exactly. Exactly. But you make a really good point around like, you don't have to be the best, but you do have to be yeah. the best at selling, which I think mm -hmm. people often confuse the two and they think yeah. I'm really good at my trade. So therefore I'll make the sale when sometimes yeah. those are two completely different things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's a competitor who I looked at as like, they were like 30 plus years old at the time, their business. Yeah. So I'm thinking, who am I? Like, she's been dancing since she was three. She's got all these, you know, her yeah. son was on. So you think you can dance. It was just like, how am I going to compete yeah. with this person? But honestly, like you said, the craft is one set of skills you have to have. You also have to know how to sell this business and, and, and make the sale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so valuable. And I think it's valuable for our listeners to hear because I come in contact with too many founders who have some version of founder syndrome, right? Where they're just stuck and they're like, no, this is how it needs to be. And this is what I want my vision to be. And there's also no room for flexibility where it comes to that sale, right? That could bring you to the next level, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about, you know, any adversity that you went up against. I mean, you described that mindset shift that you really yeah. needed, which I can imagine as somebody in their twenties, like oh, that's yeah. a lot to handle. <laughs> right? For sure. And then, you know, it's funny because yes, I'm, I'm thinking negative thoughts, but at the same time, I'm also full of myself thinking I know everything <laughs> yeah, of course, and I, I know how yeah. to do this, right? Like this is going to be so easy, just going to charge and things are going to be amazing. No, actually yeah. charging through everything off because now people expected something, right? Yeah. When I was doing it for yeah. free, no one really expected. They were grateful. All yeah. of a sudden I started charging and things were just a whole different ball game. So, uh, you know, part of me thinks my success from comes from being so naive and so young and just like, yeah. oh, I'll do whatever I can. Um, but yeah, there was definitely fear involved. Um, we grew, you know, in 2008, we were really growing and we built uh, a built a building for ourselves. And in 2008 it was when like the recession hit and everybody yeah, was closing yeah. their businesses. Yeah. Literally our builders were shutting down as we were building the building. Our, our mm -hmm. roof company was like halfway through the roof and they went out of business right. and nice. it, it, nobody wanted to take over half of a roof because they couldn't right. guarantee somebody else's work. I mean, there was just like one thing after another. And even though success, like growing the business, growing the clientele was not really a weakness of ours. And like we were doing really well with that. There yeah. was a million other things that came with growing so quickly. Right. 
um, hiring fast enough. I remember a time when I had to purposely slow us down just to make sure I could train teachers to have the same experience that they were having with me. Um, And nobody wants to purposely slow down a business. Sometimes you have to. So yeah, there's, there's just so many different things that popped up and and learning lessons, you know, like paying. I remember one time uh, we used to do, we would walk around like local neighborhoods and we would put door hangers on doors and somebody contacted me and said, Hey, we know you do door hangers. Um, we'll actually do this for a thousand dollars for you. I wired the money. They totally, like Uh. they're not a real company. A thousand dollars right now doesn't feel like a lot of money to me, but when I was 21, a lot when you're starting. Yeah. And then I had to go still do the stinking door hangers, like walking (laughs) around. So just like things, you just don't know until you go, oh, this is what people do, or this is how people are going to be. And, and now how do I behave differently and act differently? And how do I show up? And it's just, you just don't know what you don't know until you go through it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one reason why I'm always preaching. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Cause mm-hmm. I'm, I agree with you. The operations person to me is like, no, if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. Right. If you're going to, if you are going to go to the, the trouble, I guess, of slowing down hiring, at least have it be beneficial for the process. Well, right? And the, sometimes you have to slow down to yeah. speed, up, speed up. And that yeah. was one of those situations, right? Cause yeah. if I kept going as fast as we were and allowing people to come in and not have a great experience, that would have tanked my reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, what they heard was, oh, they're sold out. It, it was even, it almost it's made different. Us even yeah, better. it's better. Scarcity. We're on a wait list. And I was training people. And then we opened that wait list and they had a great experience and then continued yeah. to refer. So yeah. looking back, that was probably one of the most pivotal moments that I didn't realize I actually yeah. did in the correct way. Uh, whereas it could have flopped, it could have gone yeah. the opposite direction. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that what you just described right there is where a lot of fear is wrapped up for entrepreneurs, yeah. right? Can you tell me a little bit about that part? Cause I know you work yeah. with people around scaling and really nailing down their processes, but that fear, I can't mm-hmm. even tell you how many people I've, that have come to me with exactly that. <laughs> yeah. And some people don't identify with being fearful, right. but when I say right. things like, do you trust other people to make decisions without you? on your behalf. It's like, oh, well, no, no, no. No, They wouldn't be able to do that. (laughs) Like, okay, well, there is some fear coming up in some of these situations, right? Right. You know, we think no one can do it like us or no, no, the client needs me or no, 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 don't take that email. I should be the one to respond to that one. Or this is an angry client. Let me jump in. And in the beginning, it's great for you to do it, to set up the system. But after that, there is no reason that somebody shouldn't be able to perform that system the way you've done it. Right. Right. So you have the angry client and you did something wrong or, or they just expected something and you didn't set expectations clear enough. Right. But now, you know, for next time, okay, let's change this. And here's what we're going to do when this happens. Here's how we're going to fix it. Here's how we're going to go above and beyond. The problem is people act so quickly in the moment. And then they don't write it down or do anything about it. They just fix it. Yeah. They put the bandaid yeah. on, they move on. Yep. And then all of a sudden okay. it happens again. And they, and it's like, they're on this hamster wheel, yes. right. Of constantly fixing it. But how many times are you fixing the same problem you've yeah. already fixed? Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. I've so, seen that so many times. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. I mean, it, it really is. And I mean, so that's, that's one way of, of having fear, right? Another mm-hmm. fear is, is not putting yourself out there enough, hiding behind 
tasks that are making you feel like you're doing something, but you know, if you did the real thing that you should be working on, it could blow up your business. And what are you afraid of if business blows up or what will that look like for you? Right. Can you sustain it? Can you keep the momentum you've got going? Uh, I mean, there's just so many different ways it shows up every day. And you've mm-hmm. got to catch it. You've got to listen yes. and watch for like what's popping up and, and understand why and what's really the problem. So I had a problem where, again, I, I had this like growing too fast problem, which nobody feels bad for me for, but, no, I'm but it's, a you, it, it's a thing. It it's a, a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Holy cow. I swear it's a thing. So I was like sabotaging one of our programs because I'm, I kept saying, we can't fulfill. We, we do not have the manpower. We, we should not mm-hmm. be selling this program. And, and the, and I'm like, Whoa, I'm actually turning away money. And when I had to sit down and work through it, I realized I wasn't confident in the delivery. So then again, I paused, I got us more. I'm like, what else can I do? How can I blow them away? What can I add? And then when I felt good, it was like, okay, open the doors. Yeah. Yeah, You know, when you know, you know, on something like that, I had a very similar experience when this podcast launched and I wanted to like crawl into a hole because we just got so we got hammered. And I think, like you said, like that fear of like, oh man, now I have to perform or, oh man, like now be careful what you wish for. Right. Now they expect you to show up. Now they expect to be as good as it was last week. And you keep outdoing yourself and all of the things. Yeah. And I think people think also with scaling, like that they do exactly what you just said. Like they have to, they don't understand that they have to evolve. A lot of people will talk to me a lot about the processes that they have to write down, which thank you for saying, write the process down because so many people come to me when they're a teenager and they have to now go back to the processes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of people get scared around that part right there emotionally. And what you just described is not tactical. Like that's like every single trigger you can imagine shows up in scaling, right? Yeah. And here's the thing when people aren't comfortable scaling because they don't think they have the right people or the right processes or the right, whatever this is, a lot of times we externally blame, well, they wouldn't be ready for it or they couldn't do that. Or, but really everything comes back to the CEO. I mean, if they're not ready, you're the one training them or you're the one training the trainer who's training them. Yes. So what can you do to show up and lead better, right? If, if my EA is not performing at the level that I need her to be, how could I be supporting her better? What systems yeah. could I have created for her to understand or what policies could I have put in place for her to realize don't schedule me on a Friday, right? Like there's, right. we blame other people, but a lot of times you got to turn it around and say, yes. how could I have, like, what could I have done to make that problem not have happened? Yes. Nine times out of 10, not, no, like 9.9 times out of 10, there is something you could have done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to your earlier point, slowing down long enough to do the postmortem on all yeah. of these things, which again, like the definition of insanity, so many people just do it. And I do it myself. We've all done it at some point doing the same thing, expecting different results. Like next time the angry client is going to be handled in a much better way. Like, but you forget when you're going through these things, you forget unless you take the time to go through and work it out and actually understand your process. Um, I was just working with a client and she was going, she just did a product launch a few months ago. It did not go well. She says to me, I'm going to, I'm going to do it again coming up here in two weeks. I'm like, okay, what changes have you made? I didn't make any changes. I'm like, listen, what does she (laughs) think? It didn't go well. (laughs) Yeah. We're not going to rinse and repeat the same thing that didn't go well. No. You've got to fix a lot of this stuff to figure out why is this not working, right? Yes. So we just have to be really careful because again, we blame other things. No, it was, it was Facebook ads. No, it was just this situation. No, this just happened. It, it's going to work this time. Is it right. like, you don't always know that. No. And I mean, there are, there's always going to be that kind of percentage of chance, right. Yes. On some level, but 
I've always been a big fan of like, why not kind of stack the deck as much as you can in your favor. And that includes to your point, you, (laughs) and I think the the best leaders I know, and you can probably agree are the most self-aware people I know as well. Yes. It's such an important trait. It's such an important trait. And then can you describe for me as well, you know, the difference between being busy and productive. You touched on it earlier when you said like the tasks that everyone does that aren't moving your business forward. Yeah. So this is one that I have studied because I have struggled with it. Right. And I think it's, it's a big thing because you have to up level as the CEO. So things that used to be productive for you can turn into busy work at some point. Yep. Right. So you have to keep reassessing, like you had said, self-awareness, right? Yep. You have to keep reassessing and evaluating your calendar every 90 days looking at, okay, well, that's what worked for me last month, right? Or last quarter, but where am I going and what do I need to start to say no to, right? So there was a time that I was on every single daily huddle with the entire team. And at some point I had to say, you know what, I'm going to show up twice a week to those daily huddles. I don't need to be on five of them, right? Right, right. Know how to run these without me. So Again, I don't know what that's going to look like 90 days from now or six months from now, but I do know that my calendar is constantly up leveling, right? Yeah. Um, and we fall in these, these bad habits. We think, oh no, I've always done it this way or oh, they, they need me to do this. Somebody else can start to do some of these things. So right. I love to do calendar audits so every me 90 too. days. Me too. I yes. do. It. I love it. It makes me happy. It makes me happy to do it. Well, it's such an eye opener. Yeah. In the is. moment, you know, if, if you're just doing something and you are doing busy work, you don't really realize you're doing it when you have right. to write it down. Yeah. When you have to actually say, is this busy work or not? Right. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, mm, I probably could have let somebody delegate that probably yeah. shouldn't right. Have done that. Right. So I do think it's really important to do that at least 90 days for you and key players on your team, really making sure everybody is self-aware. Yeah. And making sure that they're in alignment with where you're going. Yeah. I think so many times we get things put on our calendar that really, that's not in alignment with the vision yeah. that we have for those 90 days or the place that we want to take our company or even our yeah. families for goodness sakes. Like, I think that's a great topic. I would love to hear your two cents on too. Cause I know you're like me, you have two little ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, that is a challenge, correct? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and people always ask me like, do you have mom guild? What, how do you feel about doing this? And the and, and here's the thing, you have to figure out what you want your life to look exactly. like. You have to yeah. figure out what success feels like and looks like for you. So no, do not look at my travel schedule. Do not look at when I work or when I don't work and then think you have to model it. Right. I, and it's so funny. I had this client, I work pretty much between like nine and three fifteen ish and my client copied it. And then she said, it took me a year to realize you work those hours. Cause that's when your kids go to school. And she's like, my kids aren't in school. Yeah. <laughs> you can little. work whatever you want. Right? And she's <laughs> copying my schedule. And I'm like, this is why you should, you can understand what I'm doing and model it to make it work for you, but you have to make it work for yourself. And that's the biggest yeah. thing. So if she's got little ones who aren't even in school, no, don't copy that schedule, figure yeah. out what you want it to look like. And for some people, that's working four days a week. For some people, yeah. it is working five days, six days, you name it. For me personally, I need weeknights and weekends off. Like I shut yeah. down. I don't yeah. do any yeah. work unless like yeah. something urgent pops up, but that is rare. If, if I don't have that time to myself, I just don't feel good. You know, yeah. like, yeah. like yeah. it's good to eat like chocolate cake, but you just don't feel that great after you eat it. <laughs> 
especially if you're eating it every day and doing it for the long term, right? I mean, absolutely. There's definitely a season for hustle. Don't get me wrong. I was speaking about this with another guest the other day, and it, you know, there's a season, but when it becomes a best practice, you know, that's when it's when it's destructive almost to yourself. So, bravo. Yeah. Here's the thing. When I started my business, was I taking off every night and every weekend? No, absolutely not. But it is dangerous to not understand when the time has come. Yes. People are not good at going. It's time. They think, no, I could, we could be making this much. We could be doing another million. We could be doing that will never stop. You have to start to say, when do I shut off? And I do believe, even though I did work like a crazy person back in the day, I do believe looking at it now, there's no way I was that productive. There's no way working from nine until midnight, you know, squeezing in a couple more hours was this game changer. Cause then I would have to sleep in a little bit or I'd have, you know, like, I just think I had some bad strategies that I thought were working that secretly, I don't think they work. Yeah. I mean, it has to come out. Like you just said, if you work late, it's going to have to be compensated somewhere, or it's going to catch up to you and be compensated all at once, which I've had that happen to me a couple of times. Cause I'm like you, like I, I like to work too. And I like my work, but like you, I'm just at that point too, where I'm like nights and weekends need to not, my brain needs to shut off or else I'm not productive. And that serves nobody. Well, and a lot of times I'll have people say, I just don't really know what else to do. So I go back to work, right? So whether they're empty nester or the kids are gone or whatever that looks like, they don't have kids at all. Right. They're like, well, you know, they were gone. So I just did it. Find something else that you can recharge with, right? You got to, you might have to find a hobby, but you need to find something, even if it's going for a walk reading a book, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you, you have to turn off at some point. I was, um, I was with Todd Herman and he said to me, because I have, I, I am a go, go, go person, yeah, even though I take off weekends and weeknights, yeah. I don't take good enough breaks. And he said to me, you need an off season. You don't have an off season. He's yeah. like modern family. They shoot for three months and then they and then don't shoot the rest of the year. And he's like, you're shooting all year long. I'm like, you're right. I am. Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely really intentional about how can I fix that right now? Good. And that, that plays into the seasonality of your business too. Right. And understanding, I think oftentimes people that I speak to haven't been in it long enough to understand that kind of ebb and flow of how they can take a break. And there, again, that fear Mm -hmm. pops up. If I take a break, then, you know, everything will fall to pieces. Um, so, I mean, how do you kind of recommend somebody goes about busting through those fears or, you know, understanding and walking into that point of self-confidence that they can release a little bit? Yeah. I think number one for me is seeing it's possible, right? So when I surround myself with somebody who is taking off and still crushing it, I think, well, then I can do it too, right? If I know somebody who works three days a week and has a multi-million dollar business, that makes me feel it's possible, right? If I am surrounded by hustlers, I'm thinking this is normal. Everybody's doing it. I must have to do this too. So then I get stuck in that feeling of that's not possible. So I think there is all of this is possible. Find the room that people are doing what you want to do in whatever capacity that looks like. And whether that's money, whether that's time, freedom, whatever that looks like, get in that room. So you see it and believe it. Yes. That will help. That's great. Um, Another thing is once you see it, you've got to keep taking the actions of those people, right? Like success leaves clues. This is not that hard. I promise you. It's not that hard. I mean, you can look at anybody that you're, that you're admiring 
and go, what are they doing? Let me break down how they are doing this. Not that you are going to copy, right? right? We're not here to clone anybody, but you can absolutely study and learn by what they are doing and how they're doing it and say, how can I do this for me? What does this look like in my business, right? right. So I think that's, you know, find that room, find the people that are doing it and then find the actions they're taking yeah. and then figure out how you can mold those into what feels good for you and excites you and lights you up. Yeah. And I mean, in, honest, in, in order to do what you just said, you have to get real honest with yourself, folks. Mm -hmm. Like you have to really audit everything. Like, never mind just your calendar. You really, yeah. like there's been times that I've had to audit relationships, audit yeah. everything around me because that vision of what I wanted my life and my family's life to look like may not have aligned with a lot mm -hmm. of people and that's okay, right? Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so let's talk about- how you run your business today. Like, like you said, you can shut it yeah. off. You can, you can walk away. And I know because I followed you on Instagram today and somebody pinged me right away. And I was like, that is brilliant <laughs> because I could, so your team member is yeah. your team member are on it. So talk about kind of some of the helpful systems and processes that you put in place. Yeah, for sure. So first realizing that I'm not the only person that can help right? That I'm not the only person that can serve. So I think that's been really, really helpful for me, but basically my schedule does look Monday through Friday. Um, I recently just got rid of Tuesday and Friday appointments. So clearing those and not that I'm not working those days, but I get to wake up and decide what are my big yes. priorities? I mean, I, as a leader have a lot of team meetings and I can go from meeting to meeting, to podcast, to coaching call to, and then go, when am I working on my business? Yeah, you know, exactly. it's just not even possible. So by having my Tuesdays and Fridays wiped clear, I'm now able to say, what are the big things I need to do that they need from me? Right. So that's kind of what my schedule looks like. I'm a big believer in getting help and building a team mm -hmm. and really pouring into your team, training them, yes. uh, getting them up and running so that they like, like knowing that somebody messaged you today, yeah. I feel confident they gave great customer experience, right? Yes, absolutely. Good. Glad to hear that. So <laughs> if you're, you're ever second guessing or doubting, you're kind of doubting yourself. You're doubting that somebody, right. That you've got to step up and do, to do it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I, and not that I'm perfect and not that somebody couldn't have messed up in a DM or email right. or wherever you message, but I feel confident enough that the people working for me are in alignment with my values yeah. to know that they're going to treat you with respect and kindness. Yeah. Yeah. And the question that I get asked a lot is like, there's those, um, I don't know what other phrase to use, but a Trojan horse, right? Somebody comes mm -hmm. in, they seem like they're very well aligned with your values and then they're not. So have you dealt with that? And how can you tell our folks kind of a little bit about that as well? Well, yeah. So when I'm interviewing people, they may know my values because I have it on my website, but they might, most people don't. Yeah. So when they're coming in, I'm evaluating them on how they're showing me my values before I even tell them what they are. Right. Yeah. So I don't want you to see my values and then perform. I want you to be you and my values are your values and they're coming through. Right. So yeah. I mean, when, when we're doing, when we're in the interview process, the first time we ever hire somebody and bring them on, we actually will tell them what values we witnessed and why they got the job and what oh, yeah. we saw in them. Yeah. yeah so really great. It, it's harder for us to get faked out because they don't know what winning looks like in that interview. Yeah. But when I go, here's what we gave you in a sample project. And I left this out on purpose. And you could have emailed to ask, 
but you just Googled and you got the answer that was being resourceful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, and that's the kind of stuff that people wouldn't, they would, they would think, Oh, she forgot the address. I'm just going to email her and get the address. Right. But you could Google and get the address. Yeah. And I'm looking for somebody to, to Google or YouTube or whatever and be resourceful. So I think you've got to give people an opportunity to show you who they are without saying, Hey, integrity is important. How do you feel integrity is important to you? And they're like, oh, it's very important. Who's going to answer that and be like, well, it's not. (laughs) Right. Integrity. I don't ask about integrity. Integrity is like, I I was two minutes late to our phone call. I do not like being late. When I say I'm going to come at a certain time, I'm coming at a certain time. When somebody shows up to to, to an interview, integrity is, were you here at three o'clock when you scheduled the interview, right? So when they come, I mean, I would have doxed myself right there. If I was, if you were me higher, I'm like, she's two minutes late. Like, this is not acceptable, right? right? So that's the kind of stuff I'm looking at without asking about how important is integrity to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And I think you have to kind of dig. And I think that's where people don't understand. Like you have to give real world situations. Like you just, like you just said, and that's a very great example of somebody going out and finding the Mm -hmm. answer, which is huge nowadays. I feel like I find a lot of people who complain about people who don't do that. Um, but I love the way that you just positioned kind of looking at integrity and looking for those values. Cause you're right. It's not just tell us five, the top five ways that you can practice integrity. Like that's anybody could answer that, but not the right. right people. Yeah. And we have things in, in our interview process too, to say, um, you know, here's a sample project. We might say, we want this back by Friday at 10, or we might say, when can you get it back to us by? And they pick they Thursday at three. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're going, did they do it Thursday by three? If they did it Thursday by five, this is not good for integrity. No, no. And also setting their own boundaries, understanding yeah. how to self-manage, like all of those things, right. Mm-hmm. That especially in the work that you're doing, you know, you, yeah. you have to launch things and you have to Absolutely. have things the way that you want them. So bravo for, you know, sticking to all of that. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about in regards to kind of productivity and resourcefulness and stuff like that? Yeah. Because you're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to, to all of those realms. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is people get excited about making money and scaling and they don't necessarily get excited about numbers. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah. systems like those are boring, but you know, what's not boring when your number, knowing your numbers and having systems in place, make you a lot of money. Yes, right. They do. Yes, they and do. that's what I want people to understand is the people that are truly successful and scaling at rapid speed they've got systems and they, they know their numbers. Now, if if you're like, no, I know somebody who's scaling and they don't have systems. Okay, great. Their life is a nightmare. Like I can't even imagine how many times it's not sustainable when they're getting interrupted and they're getting, and they might have wealth, but they do not have time wealth. And that is a big difference. So I, I really just get everybody on board of create systems and you can create systems even as somebody, I mean, down to us, I mean, I was a solopreneur before I ever had a team. Yeah. And even as a solopreneur, I was making systems for myself to rinse and repeat. Yeah. And then when I hired people, um, I just went, here you yeah, go. Exactly. It's easy like that way. And that way, like yeah. people don't understand that that's what makes scaling easy is right. when you, when you have that self-discipline to put yourself in a process. Yeah. And then, like you said, you can just hand it nicely mm-hmm. hand it off to somebody and say, yeah. put your own spin on it, but here's my expectation. And it should be clear because I've lived it. Yeah. And then one of the big things that we do is everybody on the team has KPIs, like key performance indicators. So on a weekly basis, they're getting me an end of week report. And I see those numbers and I get an instant pulse on how is the business doing. And I'm using that data 
to really put them in their next direction for next week, right? I'm, I'm going, whoa, Bella, what happened on social media last week? You killed it. Fill me in. Like, what did yeah. we do? Yeah. And then she says, oh, I did an extra reel or I didn't. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to get you another reel because that seemed yeah. to work, right? right? Or, whoa, why did our podcast numbers go down? I'm like, well, you had one last episode. Okay. I didn't realize how much that was going to take that podcast down. So I'm using my numbers with my systems to really, truly scale my business. And that's when you start to get predictable. Yes. And let me tell you, I know predictable doesn't sound fun sometimes, but man, awesome. when you can predict, I know <laughs> I think it's great. You, you like predictability. If you know what feast and famine feels like, right. Yes. Predictability yes. is where you start to really see what the future holds, what summer is going to look like and so on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you said around the teams and everything else mm -hmm. being in contact with them, but you're not micromanaging, which yeah. I think people get those kind of things confused too. You're, you're clear on your expectations. You're asking for a report weekly, which I found a, like I'm from corporate and that was a normal thing. Like KPIs yeah. are a normal thing and, you know, weekly standups and all those things, not in small business, not world. in small business world. And it makes such a big difference that when you do do that in a small business, it's amazing. I see entrepreneurs who own like a main street shop doing standups with their employees every week. Like it's such a huge absolutely like, team building activity too. Yeah. So good. No, it's, it's one of those things you, and here's the thing. I've been a business owner since I was 18. I, I didn't go to corporate. I didn't do any of that stuff. So I had to learn, yes. oh, whoa, people do this. And when I started implementing that, the businesses started to take off. Yes. So I will tell you if you're not doing it and you're not, maybe you're, you're, okay with the business or you're maybe just not happy with it, implementing this will change it big time. Yeah, it will. I mean, any system in process will take folks, but these yes. in particular, like these things like weekly standups, understanding your numbers. I watched a video that you did about being a CEO and not knowing your, yeah. your numbers and like complaining that you're just not good at math. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I've heard that so many times, but I'm with you. I think it's empowering. Like I want to know my numbers. Like I'm a geek mm -hmm. for my numbers. Yeah. <laughs> So bravo for putting that out there. Um, all right. Any last bits that you want to leave our audience with? You've given, uh, given us so much value. I just, no, I, I, I really think like the more you can just dial this in the yes. better off your beat. If you do not have KPIs, oh my goodness, like yeah. that alone yes. will change yeah. so much. And KPIs that mean something I've seen people that have KPIs and you're like, does it, so yeah, if that number measurable. gets bigger, does it actually grow the business or does it not? Yes. I, I think a lot of times we put very fluffy metrics down and you've got to find mm -hmm. the real metrics that actually do something. I was just working with one of um, our businesses and I was going over the KPIs and they were very confused of like, I don't know what I do. And I just kept saying, how do you move the needle in our business? What are you at? And they're like, well, this does this. I'm like, okay, put that down. What's okay. Does that do it? Yeah. Put it here. Yeah. 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 I mean, I had one guest on once that had joy as a KPI <laughs> on our oh thing. And I was like, that's lovely. I'm like, I actually really like that, but that's not the same KPIs that I have in my brain when I'm talking about yeah. like the numbers Well, and, and hard numbers that actually mean something. Now let's say that it was you, the CEO that said joy or, or something, and you really wanted to measure your energy or the way you were right. feeling or light, light up. Sure. But my employee, not, not so much, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't yeah. tell me if business was great or not last week. Right. Exactly. And I think to your point, it, it allows you to see the trends and yes. that's when it really gets fun. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Looking at numbers is fun when you're winning, but yeah. you only get to start to win by understanding the numbers and fixing them. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Everyone needs to go find you. Um, <laughs> 
Can you please tell people where they can do just that? Cause I know you yeah. have some great programs and wonderful mm-hmm. things in your podcast and everything. Thank you. Yeah. So the podcast is foot traffic. So that's a big one. I would definitely go uh, check out that we're actually, I know you said a million and we have it in our bio, which made me go, we need to update that. Yeah. Um, we're hitting 2 million, I think this yes. week or next week. So wow. we're just like, it's growing so fast. Um, so yes, yeah, so the foot traffic podcast, otherwise my favorite place is Instagram at Stacy Tushel. Come find me. Um, if you DM me, DM me, Michelle, but t- type in like KPI or something and I'll gift you. I have like a KPI spreadsheet that we use and you can see some actual real KPIs of not vanity, but like what would move the needle. And I'll send that over to you. And it's not an opt-in or anything. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I, I liked how you were doing that too. I saw a couple of things like that when you were saying, drop me this word. And Those for it was us, so great. I just feel like sometimes, you know, people put out freebies and you're, you're giving your email and they're just like, okay. And for us, we just kind of got rid of the email opt-in and really gave things people actually want. And it gets people to have conversations and, and yeah. really serve them. Yeah. And it, you know, you know, who needs the serving more that way than absolutely a blanket email, which is really what excites them. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been lovely and I'm, I'm, I'm with you on all the things you're saying. So thank you for driving those home and we'll be sure to put all of your links and everything in the notes. And thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks, Michelle. I think you've probably heard me say multiple times on this podcast, how much I enjoy a good process and procedure. I mean, it's just, it can be a lifesaver, especially when you're scaling, but I also have equal respect for the fear and the hesitancy that comes along with releasing control over the things and taking things to the next level and everything that Stacy talked about. And I really do recommend if you are at a crossroads of scaling, or you're foreseeing it in the future, in the near future, go back and re-listen to this episode and take some notes because she's got such valuable insight and great you know, tips and tricks and things that you can implement and use as you move forward in your business. And I can't believe I don't have a next episode for you folks. Oh my goodness, because we are officially wrapping up season two and I'm taking some downtime to enjoy the summer, but we will be back. I'm hoping to come back late summer, early fall. And if you're looking to keep up to date on when, you know, the the first episode of season three will drop, you can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. And if you're looking for those direct links, head over to my website, which is michelleamercier.com and you'll find all you need right there. And if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, follow, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend, because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later.